Welcome to the next edition of the Career Conversations podcast brought to you by Hunter Recruitment Group. I'm Craig McGregor and today I just wanted to, before we get to our conversation, I just wanted to say thanks and just tell everyone how, how I'm enjoying bringing these conversations to you on a weekly basis. I find great inspiration in having these chats with people from all different walks of life and I, I really hope you guys who are listening really enjoy the career arc and the, the conversations we have and, and I hope you get inspired and motivated yourself to you know, go out there and, and forge your own path. Today we talked to a lady named Kelly Mills who's done just that. This conversation is dominated by her her business, uh, Mills Eaton Training, because she's been in that business for over 20 years. It's a little bit different to our normal conversations where we jump around from job to job or career path to career path until that person finds their passion. And she found it early on with her life partner, Gary. And we, we talk a little bit about that and how to navigate that road in terms of working and, uh, and living with your, your husband and being in, in true partnership together. She talks about uh, courageous conversations and one of her product lines, and I love how that fits with our uh, career conversations tag, but it's a business or a, a training path that uh, her business has developed to work with individuals to talk to you know, people in their life who are now part of their business life as well. She has a really diverse training suite and I love the authenticity uh, she gives and brings to this conversation. She also talks at the back end of our podcast around a, a side project, a passion project. It's called 100 Alice Stories and it details uh, ladies or women who've had uh, issues with domestic violence and, and brings their stories to light. I love this uh, story, I love this uh, project that she has and I wish her well as she continues to, to generate those 100 stories. So. So sit back and enjoy our conversation with Kelly Mills. Today's podcast is brought to you by Hunter Recruitment Group. People-centric recruiters, HRG looks to use technology and personal interviewing techniques to ensure the best fit possible for both the candidate and the employer. We operate labour hire and temp services for various sites, conduct permanent recruitment searches and have an innovative program we call temp to perm you can find us on the web, www.hrgroup.com.au or search for us on your favourite social site, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and LinkedIn. Whether you're an employer looking for a fantastic new team member or you're an individual seeking their next great career move, start a conversation with Hunter Recruitment Group today. So welcome to the Career Conversations podcast, Kelly Mills. Thank you for inviting me. So before we start on your career, I wanted to tell a little bit of story about how we met. So I was a, and the listeners to this podcast might not believe it, but I was a bit of a shy, first up networker at probably about 12 years ago at a Hunter Business Chamber meeting and I was standing in the corner like a wallflower and uh, yourself and Gary came up and introduced yourselves. Why did you do that, Kelly? We did that because part of what we do with networking uh, it's part of what I teach people to do in networking, but we didn't know anyone else there either. And so people are often nervous when they go to networking events, so they look to try and break into a group of people. That's often harder. You go and find someone who's alone, uh, befriend them, and then you start to have really rich conversations. Mm. It makes them feel better, and it gave us someone else other than each other to talk to. Yeah, no, and I remember after that, we I think we had coffee, and you guys gave me some advice and helped a new, new person to business 
start, I suppose, in terms of that networking process. So I'm really appreciative of that. So it's great to have you on the podcast 12 years later. It was our pleasure. Part of what we like to do, because we had people who helped us in business in the early days, um, we're more than happy to um, share knowledge and the mistakes we made with someone else who's starting out. Yep. So tell me about your career. Let's start at the start. Did you, you, for the listeners, you're a, a coach now, you're a trainer. Did you always want to be in that field? Well, it's funny. When I when I was a kid, I always wanted to be a teacher. Yeah, okay. Um, Which is kind of what a coach is. Yeah, it, it is. And for family reasons, I couldn't go to teacher's college back in the day. And uh, I worked in retail instead. I worked in retail. Um, I worked uh, in building society, the greater actually. Uh, and I did some more work in retail. Then I moved up the coast Uh and worked in retail again and hospitality, worked in management in retail and worked in hospitality. So you're working for large retailers or small? Um, or? Large, yep. large retail chains. Yep. And, uh, and then I worked in the media, worked at a radio station up there. Yeah, okay. What were you doing? I was the uh, started as a sales rep, talked my way into that. So selling advertising? Selling advertising. Yep. Went from being a functions coordinator at a club to being a sales rep. Yeah, okay. And, uh, really talked my way into that one. Uh, did my research on the job, found out how they did. Every time the rep had come in and sell advertising to me, I'd ask her another little bit about what her job was. And so were you trying to target that job? Yeah. Yeah, you wanted it. You saw how, how great a lifestyle I, or roles she had. I thought it was something I could do and yeah, I great. would enjoy doing. So I, um, That's a great lesson to understand the job and to target businesses yeah. is critical in trying to find a job. So. I, I put a um, proposal together and yeah, made okay. an appointment, my, well, which was my resume. But I also had but then I took several months to pick her brains each time she'd come in yep. and had a, an idea of a rough idea what the job was, worked out what my skill set was that might match that, and then um, made an appointment with the sales manager and said, "Look, it's time for um, me to sell you something and he went oh right he thought I was referring to the club I was working for and I said me (laughs) and handed over my resume and yeah that's a real proactive job search model yeah very proactive job search model and and you know I still remember him asking me do you really understand what we do and I said well here's what my understanding is of the process so was it a good job it was it it was a great job loved loved the job yeah yeah loved the job excellent so well done became sales manager in nine months yep and uh, really enjoyed that. Company went through some changes. I went through some personal changes uh, in my life. And um, long story short, ended up uh, with a new fella in my life who <laughs> happens to be my husband now. We can't talk about him because he's sitting in the no, corner. No, he's, he's over there, so I have to <laughs> say nice things. Uh, and he had a training business. And it was really interesting when I first met him at a, a radio manager's conference I um, thought I'll pick this guy's brains because this is what I'd ultimately like to do because I'd always wanted to be a teacher. I was going to say, so, so that's a, a bit of a divergence. Sales Huge. and teaching and coaching is, is quite different. Very. But, but what I'd had in various jobs I'd had, even when I was with um, one of the retail chains, I was the person people would send other managers to to train. Yep. So I... I often had a training role in, in various jobs. I, I worked at TAFE for a while teaching retail skills and teaching yeah, okay. marketing skills. Uh, so I, I'd i been in that space and it was on my long-term plan. This is what I wanted to do. I just happened to marry someone <laughs> who had a training business and it all fell into place. Nice. 
Okay. Yeah. So tell me about that. So because you've been doing it for a long time. Twenty-one years in business together. Yep. Um, we are this well, year. Step me through that. That must be. Her, Amy's here in our business, and we've been a part of it. She's been a part of it for twelve years. Um, you guys are at twenty-one. H- how do you do that? Tell me. You you have you have to start with being really clear on your roles yep. that you play. We had a per- fairly new personal relationship. Um, I was new to being in business for myself, so I was used to getting paid each week, (laughs) which was, you know, the regular paycheck is something that you don't necessarily get when you first start in business. Any new business owner knows that. So that was an adjustment for me and having to understand cash flow and a whole range of things that weren't part of the jobs Mm. I'd had before. Um, But I remember Gary and I had had a discussion, I will call it, one Saturday morning and he was heading down to the shops and he said, well, you're the boss, you decide. And it was a business discussion. And I came inside and I thought, well, actually, we haven't decided who's the boss. boss. And we had no clarity around the roles. And so I'd remembered reading a great book by Michael Gerber called um, The E-Myth. And in that, he suggested that you you do an org chart, even if you're a one-man show. Hmm. So to make sure that you remember, you have to wear your COO hat, you have to wear your, your operations manager hat, you have to wear your finance hat, your marketing hat, as well as do whatever your skill set is or whatever your business yep. service is. Yeah, you started it. Yeah. Mm. And so I sat down and while Gary was out shopping and did like an org chart and wrote down the various roles of our business. And then when he came home, we had a cup of tea and we went, okay, well, we're a partnership, but who's the managing partner, who makes the decisions about this area of the business, who makes the decisions about that area. And then we went through and we put our names in all the various boxes. And it was... It was something that I would recommend anyone, particularly in um, that that married to their their mm, work it's a partner. Great idea. It, it was really helpful to us because then we had some clarity. And I um, we were you both, in agreement on who fills what boxes. We both voted on me to be the boss, which yep. is really good. <laughs> and uh, but but yes, we we work, we worked to our strengths and what we like to do and looked at, well, who was going to be in charge of this? And it was amazing the difference that made to our business overall, just having that simple structure. Yeah, okay. So tell me about the business. So 21 years. 21 years. What sort of things do you train? How did it start? Tell well, me about it, the first Yeah, well, it's, it's certainly years. changed over the years. We started as, because I'd had a sales background, Gary had worked in the media as well. Um, we started doing work with a lot of his clients when I say we started, he already had the business and had yep. been going for a few years. We started doing sales training, predominantly in media. Um, then we did sales training and retail training um, for some shopping centre groups and we did mystery shopping for shopping centre groups. And when you're new to business... So was that here in Newcastle or were you still no, up the coast? No, up the coast. We're yep. still up the coast. Um, when you're new to business, you kind of will do what everyone yeah, yeah. will ask you. If someone had said to me, you know, will you stand on one leg in the corner and I'll pay you, I'll go, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so we were pretty diverse in what we did yep. in the early days. Uh, then some of our regular clients liked the way we worked and so they'd say, can you do a little bit on, more on communication? Now, I've always been fascinated by people. I've always been able to kind of read people quite well. I studied body language when I was quite young back in the days of Alan Pease and his body language book yeah, okay. in the 80s. I've been fascinated by that. And so I got, did more so and more So tell me learning. why. Let's explore why? why are we fascinated by body language? I just like to work out where people are at. Yep. 
people fascinate me. Yep. And I suppose from a sales perspective, you need to be able to pick up on those buying signals if you, if you look at that basics. Yeah, okay. But I have a real curiosity about people. What makes them tick? Why do they react that way? Why are they suddenly looking uncomfortable? So yep. so that that's always fascinated me. Yeah, okay. And so you're using that now, that passion, to train in different areas. So, so many different directly areas. directly going in and saying... Okay, I'm going to teach you how to read body language or... Look, some of the courses that we deliver, there's, there's an element of that. Yep. Um, but the sales training grew to a lot more um, around understanding communication. It expanded then, that's how we work with our sales managers and deliver some leadership training. Then um, some years ago, uh, an HR... A staff member from Maitland City Council. We'd mm. be doing customer service training right across the council a um, long time ago, yep. about 15, 16 years ago. And the HR person I was dealing with there said, I like your style, I'd like you to do a team building day, which I hadn't done before, which grew to more team building days, which grew to more team building days. And then over the years, I developed a reputation as being the team whisperer. Yeah. Um, it was what was called the RTA then. The general manager of HR used to call me the team whisperer <laughs> and she'd ring me and say, I've got another one for you, Kel, and, and off we'd trot. Yep. From there, working with teams, and I work, and I still to this day I work with tired teams. They're a bit run down. Teams that have gone through massive change and they might have change fatigue or they're stuck in not wanting to change. Teams that have um, are forming teams, so there's been a merger and there's two different cultures, yeah, okay. they have to join. Come together. And then the highly dysfunctional teams, the teams where they truly hate each so other. Do you, do you uh, so company A is going to engage you, do they give you that brief? Kelly, we've got this really dysfunctional team. Or is there other, other sides to it where you might go in and do a communication session and go tap on the HR uh, manager's shoulder and say, hey, that team there, you know, you've just merged, I think this would be worthwhile. Um, do you get to spot those opportunities as well as just being directed by A bit whoever? of both. Generally it comes as a, a direction. We've got a yep. team that's a problem because I've, I've built a reputation yep. for doing that. Um, we've got a team who has a problem and the more I know about the background and the challenges and the individuals, um, the, the better I can deliver outcomes. Um, and and we do that by having real conversations, creating a safe space, having real conversations, creating greater understanding about people rather than let's build so this, a raft and this, sing kumbaya. Yeah, this doesn't sound like a traditional half-day session. No. T tell me about how it works then. Do you come in and, and do a bit of an exploratory session with multiple people? or How does it work? I generally work with the team. I'd, I'd get a brief mm -hmm. from manager, yep. um, HR, HR whoever whoever's yep. involved. I do an initial training day with the team and from there I'll get a feel. I will have already had a brief and I'll get a feel. Yep. Um, if they want me to fix it in half a day, I, I'm not interested yeah, because if you've got a 10-year problem with the team or three-year problem with the team, you need to fix that in three and a half hours. Yep. And then fr from there we'll, we'll deal with issues. Then they'll set a plan for how they're going to engage with each other going forward and then I'll come back two to three months later and check in what's working, what isn't working and then from there we might set some team values and, and further agreements. Yeah, okay. So don't have to name company names but tell me, give me an example of a good one, like one that you've gone in and gone, oh, wow, this is a disaster and then through your program and through your coaching, three months, six months later, 
wow, look at what we've done. Uh, I've had one not so long ago yep. where there were two teams that um, shared some, some work, shared some services. Uh, there was miscommunication between the two teams. There was um, serious disagreement so between the two teams. So when you say miscommunication, teams. what was happening? Oh, this one wouldn't help that one. That one wouldn't reply to those that person's emails, even though they're all in the same office space. Yep. Um, nastiness back and forth. And then we got some issues on the table. We got we did um, uh, one of the tools I, I used to sort of help people understand each other's preferred working style so, so they got more comfortable and didn't take things so, so personally. So that, that helps people understand that, you know, Craig's not very detail-orientated, but Kelly is, so how Craig needs to talk to Kelly needs to change that exactly sort right. of thing. Exactly yep. right. Kelly might be direct in her approach yep. and Craig might like a little bit more sugar on it. Yep. Right, so if Kelly's going to communicate effectively with Craig and not get Craig offside, she yep. needs to be a little bit more mindful, mindful of that. She used some more pleases and thank yous. So, yep. so depending. So we did that. Then we came back and did a check-in. Um, I've had three sessions with them, and on the third session, uh, we talked about what their issues were, and the issue was so minor, <laughs> and it was nothing to do with them as people. Yeah. And I took them back to here's where we were months ago. Can you believe where you are at now? Yep. And they're really proud of what they've achieved. Those check-ins must be fun. I'd imagine that, Yeah. well, when they're good. Is there many that don't come around? Like Very rarely because yep. I'm, I'm fairly firm on letting them own it. Yeah. I remember one group I worked with, uh, one of the guys in the group said at the beginning of the day, look, I think this is going to be a complete waste of time and I don't think you <laughs> can fix anything. This team's... Isn't there one of those in every training session? Every, pretty much. <laughs> and he said, you know, you're not going to fix anything. And I said, it's not my job to fix it. It's not my team. It's your team. It's my job to create a space where you guys will identify the fixes and you're the ones that will have to put the work in. And that's my approach, accountability. I'll hold myself accountable for how I show up on the day, but I'll also hold the participants accountable. Yep. And I'll call bad behaviours. If I see bad behaviours in the room, I'll call them, but but not in an aggressive way. And my job is to build trust in the room. So let me, I want to ask you a question about that. So I reckon, or this is a guess, you're highly experienced, comfortable where you are, successful in business. Do you have the ability and confidence to do that now versus when you started 21 years ago? Would you have been the same or would you just been, oh, no, I can't be like that because I've got to get paid? That's a great question and um, I'm not looking at Gary at the moment but I'm sure he's got a <laughs> grin on his face because early days I just wanted to make everyone happy. Yeah. And that was a challenge for me going from salesperson predominantly, whether mm. I was selling functions at a club or, or whatever, um, at that sales, let's make the person happy, let's give them what they want, let's find out what they want, to then being in a room where I'm not necessarily going to make everyone happy in order to achieve the outcomes. Yep. And Gary used to say to me, just go and be you. Mm. Be you. And once I took the brakes off, I'm very professional, I wouldn't still be in business, but once I took the brakes off and learnt that, you know, I didn't have to just make everyone happy, that sometimes if if someone's being obnoxious, well, I'm going to call them on it. Mm. And and then he said, the stronger you get, the more effective you will be. And that's exactly what happened. But yeah, 21 years ago, I remember even 16 years ago with my first few team days, uh, 
they did the job, but I'd love, if I could go back now and do them differently, I'd have done it, done it in a completely different way. Yeah, and that's, I think that's what comes with success and comfort that you can, you can almost choose your clients to a degree, but you can also go, this is how it is and this is how I'm going to use my expertise. And if it doesn't work for you, then it's not on me you haven't engaged correctly or we haven't been able to be. So you've got a lot more comfort in that. So Yes, I think you build confidence and it's finding that balance between confidence and arrogance. Yep. I'm still learning. You know, I've just completed a diploma of positive psychology and wellbeing and yep. I've injected that into the training I do as well. But I'm, I'm Is that learning a relatively th- new field or how long has that been around? Positive psychology has been around for a little over 20 years. Yeah, so it is relatively new. Relatively new yeah. compared to standard psychology. But what that's done is helped me with the leadership training that yep. I do as well. And the leadership training that I do these days came from working with all those dysfunctional teams because I found a lot of those teams weren't working well because their managers or team leaders or coordinators, whoever was in charge, supervisors, didn't know how to deal with their team. So I'd done leadership modules for clients in the past and they'd say, do a module on this and a module on that. And a lot of them would be based around the latest buzzwords or terms. I would get into the room and find out that most people want to know, particularly in regional areas, which is where my passion is, how do I tell someone who was my best man, who I'm now his yep. boss, how do I tell him to lift his game yep. and still be able to have a beer with him on Friday? Yep. You know, ha- how do I tell um, my co-worker, who's also a supervisor and my close friend, who's being a bit nasty and unsupportive to me, how do I tell her what I need to do? So uh, that really got me into that communication space, the courageous conversation space, mm. and then delivering that leadership program. We, we now have a six-day program we deliver um, covering a variety of modules, but one, one of them's called creating space. So that's how do you step back from the doing and be a leader yep. and manage your time that's and a real difficult manage one. what you're doing. Yeah, it, it's re- one of the things that shift. I see. Yeah, it is. I see in my business personally, but also in other businesses that we work with, that if you stereotype a business, it's been started because someone's good at something. So they might be an electrician or a real estate agent or HR, whatever it is. And then they start to work and they get success because they're good at it. And then they start to build a team. And then they've got to become a manager or they've got to run cash flow or they've got to run whatever it is. And that's where you've got to have that ability to step back and go, okay, I've got to delegate. I've got to be able to do these bits. So that's a it's a powerful thing to teach. So mm. it's it's making the shift, and it's a large part of what I do. And throughout the program, uh, we include coaching, one on one coaching. With that, um, we we include a number of activities that push people out of their comfort zone. Yep. But every time you're pushed out of your comfort zone. It broadens your comfort zone. Yeah, it makes you stronger and more confident. And we've had we've put over six hundred people through yeah, those wow. courses in the last 10, 11 years. I was going to ask you. You mentioned before you talked about um, you being uh, a coach and and driving some individual change. Throughout this conversation so far, you've mentioned one guy who's in the corner um, and the, the influence that he's had. Has yeah. he been your coach? Oh, yes. We, we are kind of each other's person. Yep. In the leadership training, I talk to people about finding someone who's your person. And by your person, I mean someone who has your back, someone who wants the best for you, but someone who's also going to be critical of you in um, a constructive, positive way. Someone who's going to say, now listen, Kel, pull your head in. Yep. Or, was, or ask the right challenging questions. Was that the best way you could have done that? Or... 
if you did it again, how would you do it differently? And I'm very fortunate because he's not only my husband and my best friend, but he's my business partner and mm. co-coach. Yep. So we support each other in those areas. So there's definitely no chance of it being Mills only. It's got to be Mills Eaton. Got to be Mills Eaton. Very good. Got to be Mills Eaton. All right. So step me through, uh, before we go a bit further on the training stuff, I want to talk about that course you've just completed, the teacher becoming a student. I'm, I'm guessing you would have enjoyed it because oh. you had like I reflect on my study when I did my masters I loved it because I had experience underneath me that I was probably a little bit argumentative with teachers because I thought I had experience um, was that the experience that you had it was more beneficial than previous studies because of this breadth of experience you have underneath you oh yes I I was, it was something I was interested in, a lot of the yeah. elements of positive psychology I realised I was already applying. I'd done a number of um, other courses, short courses, accreditation in using various tools um, in the emotional intelligence space and um, strengths profiling and all of that with the same um, training organisation, the Langley Group. And when I saw this was available and I was able to do it, I went there because it's what I really wanted to do. Yep. And it was so beneficial for me personally and um, in business because it was directly applicable to what I did. But aligned. Yes, and I, and I look back at what I was like as a younger student. I was pretty full of myself <laughs> and challenging. Uh, and it was interesting, there was a six-day intensive uh, as part of this course and one of the... Um, one of the facilitators said to me at the end of day two, she said, a lot of this would be intuitive for you. And whilst it was, a lot of I just got, I love learning the theory behind it, the research behind it, and then how I could expand it into what I do. Yep. Okay. You mentioned before that you're passionate about regional areas and uh, I love following your travels and uh, watching what you're doing on social media. You seem to be out west of New South Wales in places like Cobar um, quite regularly. So yeah. why is it that you're drawn to do your work in those areas? It's it's where the work's taken us. When you're a consultant, as we are a yeah, training okay. company, you go where the, the work takes you. Well, the yep. work in the last 21 years, Gary and I calculated when we had our 20th business anniversary <laughs> last year, we calculated we've worked in 107 towns and cities in Australia. Yeah, wow. Um, we tend to go to That's reach... pretty amazing. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, we've worked in Canada as well. Yep. Um, we've had two stints in Canada this year and the end of last year. And I worked in the US as well. It was only for five days, but it makes me sound cool. Oh, well, yeah, that is really cool. Um, Las Vegas or New nah. York? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not New York. Um, It'd be some regional town in Idaho. <laughs> no, no, no. It was in California. It was in okay. California. Good. Uh, but the... What tends to happen is I will go and do some work somewhere and then someone talks to someone else, talks so to someone else. So it's, it, it just grows organically. I delivered a – I spoke at a conference in Melbourne some years back. Um, then the company that I was speaking at the conference for engaged me to run women and leadership programs around yep. Australia. I ran one in Dubbo. The HR manager and mill manager from a mine in Cobar were at the one in Dubbo. That's how I end up working Dubbo. That's how I end up working in the States. And that's how I end up working in Canada all for the same mining company. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think the difference is if we were to look at our point of a d difference. Because there is so many training organisations out there. There's plenty of them. A lot them. of competition. Yeah. We, we try and avoid the buzzwordy side of things. Yep. We try to avoid what's new and cool. 
we look at what's needed in industry at the moment and we work across a diverse range of industries but we understand people and I think that's why when we get out into the regional areas a lot of trainers don't go out there and we don't talk at people as is a conversation in the room we never use powerpoint for example yeah that's a really good point I I used to struggle with and um argue with certain people around the hunter because I always have this or you see big consultants come in from Sydney and you go we've got great people here in the hunter Mm -hmm. could do better work than that at a cheaper price but the perception is that the Sydney people know better yeah is do you think that's what's occurring for you as well when you go out to those towns that they go oh this is Kelly from the big smoke she's going to be able to teach us or is that not the case? I don't think it's the case so much when we work um, out west. Yep. And, and when I say West Orange, Bathurst and that, I don't think um, that's the perception. It's just they've heard I can do they the know work. Who you are. They, they yep. know I do the work because it usually comes as a referral. Yeah, good. Uh, but we, we kind of try to be no nonsense. And is that hard to market? Because, like, you, you know, you mentioned you don't use the buzzwords, all those things. How do you then generate business outside of that referral marketing when you're not using that language? I, I struggle with that as well. Like, I see my business as very much like what you're talking about mm. today, um, people-centric. But how do people find us? That's the, the trick. I've, I've done a lot more with the marketing that I do. I've done a lot more in writing blogs. Yeah, okay. So, and articles, and I post them on LinkedIn. Yep. We send them out in a newsletter to our clients, and I often find they've sent them on to someone else. So, we try to make them very relevant to, to what people are doing. Um, we've been very fortunate in the word of mouth generates over 90% of yeah, our business. Absolutely. So, so, but, but we still need to be known, so we need to make sure our website's up to date. The other thing I do is occasionally I'll do some free speaking gigs. Yeah, okay. I prefer to get paid naturally yep. and I speak at lots of conferences for a living, but there'll be certain things that I'm very passionate about, so I'll offer to speak at them at no charge. Yep. But that's if my audience is in the room and so it's an opportunity for people to see yeah. who I am, what my message get is, how I get across, and that's how the work comes. Yep. So tell me about that. How do you, you've got, I suppose, two forms of training. So you've got one-to-many and, and one-to-one that coaching. What do you prefer and how do you delineate between how you deliver those? I love both of them. I love the diversity of both. Yep. Um, I probably got three because I've got one is that okay. conference situation where you go in, you've got 40 minutes to an hour, yep. bang, and there's not a lot so of feedback. So what are you delivering at a conference? At a conference I might do um, uh, talk on courageous conversations or male-female communication, which can be humorous or yep. understanding the generations or leadership or dealing with teams. I spoke at a conference in... Um, uh, on the Gold Coast earlier this year on dealing with dysfunctional teams in the real world and um, picked up uh, a new client from that just yeah, okay. by speaking. I got paid to speak at it, but, but I picked up another client from that. So, yep. so there's that. Um, I wouldn't like to only do that. I yep. do enjoy that, but um, I like the interaction of a group in a workshop-style training And then the big thing I had to learn as a coach, as a trainer and a facilitator, you do lots of talking. Mm. As a coach, you have to shut up. Yeah. 
and do lots of listening and ask the right questions and then not do the talking. So that was a shift for me. So I love the fact that I do all of them. Yep. Okay. Tell me about, so you, you mentioned at the start you were up the coast. What brought you back to Newcastle? Lots of um, clients. We found that at, when we were up the coast, we had two businesses. We'd, mm-hmm. we'd expanded. We'd had – it was the training side of the business, but we also had a creative agency. Yeah, okay. So we did – because um, we we'd sort of had sales and marketing background. Yep. It sort of came from our radio side of things. And then we had graphic designers working for us, just a small team. And we had a pretty good name up there. But – it was difficult to make a dollar, to be honest. Yeah, for, okay. We did quality work, but in a small regional area wasn't the volume. where cash flow was sludge, people didn't, there wasn't the volume. That's right. And I was doing most of my training work out of the town I lived in, which meant I was away most of the time. I was away, often in Newcastle and the Hunter, mm. two or three nights a week. And I remember. One day, Gary and I were looking at the figures and we were looking at the fact we were, I was always in Newcastle and he said, look, we end up selling off part of the agency, um, just focusing on the training. And he said, if we're just going to focus on the training, why would we live where yep. 18% of our training revenue is coming yep. from? Good point. Why wouldn't you move to Newcastle? I grew up here, lived away for 24 years. He said, why wouldn't you move there? He said, it looks like a really nice place to me. And um, that's what brought us back here. And it was the best decision we ever made because we were part of a broader market. There's a fantastic airport, great infrastructure, not too far to travel to Sydney. And um, they can pretty much fly to a base point forever, wherever you want to go. Regional Queensland, we just fly to Brisbane and then on to wherever from there. Very good. And so tell me about the evolution. So we talked a lot about the different programs that you're running. What about the markets? So we mentioned at the start you were in that sort of radio sales type area. You mentioned before mining. How diverse is your client base? Ah, massively diverse. We work in the disability sector, which I I really enjoy doing. We started off working um, in the government side of the disability sector and then working for the NGOs. And... um, uh, love that and, and are so blown away by the work that people do yeah. in that sector. Uh, we work in um, various types of industry, uh, cable manufacturing. Uh, I've worked in accounting firms. A few years back I was like the accountant's trainer. I had six different accounting firms <laughs> on my books that I was working with. So we're just sorts of, sort of spreads. Yep. So it's, it's, it's very diverse. I've worked with legal firms. Um, we don't tend to work for mum and dad businesses because yep. they don't have the budget for training, although we might do some coaching. Yeah, okay. Tell me about, so you mentioned right at the start you had this passion or desire to be a teacher and now you're coaching. Why is that? Give me the why. Why did you want to help people in that area? I love seeing lights come on. Yeah, okay. There, there's nothing that gives me a greater buzz I think in the workplace than you've got someone in a room and particularly someone who wants to be a little bit challenging I shouldn't say want that they are a bit challenging they mightn't feel comfortable there and they mightn't understand what you're talking about or they mightn't just want to be there at all and then to make a, a simple comment a statement that turns a light on for someone or um, working with someone one-on-one and and that one thing that you say or direction you point them in starts to build their confidence and they feel like they can can do anything. 
Yeah, okay. um, it's it's really rewarding. Love getting paid for what I do, but love changing. Would do it for free. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would do it for free. If we won Lotto tonight, I would still do a large part of the work yeah. I do at Nothing. So, again, give me an example. Tell me your favourite one. There's a fellow, um, and, and I've got such a soft spot for this yep. for this guy, came along to my supervisor's program at a mine and uh, thought it was a nonsense, didn't want to be there, was grumpy, unhappy, and I nurtured him. I also realised he had a few, um, uh, not some literacy issues, but lack of confidence in his literacy and his ability to do a lot of paperwork. So it came from a lack of confidence because he's actually way smarter than he ever gave himself credit for. Yeah, okay. And I saw a spark in this guy and was coaching him in between the, the sessions and something flicked a switch on for him. He went and bought himself a computer. He taught himself how to use the computer. He spends 30 minutes a day on his computer every day learning. He yeah, got wow. this sudden thirst for learning. He turned his whole team, he was a maintenance supervisor, turned his whole team around. Their productivity increased incredibly. His confidence grew in a way that he started to put his hand up to do other things um, in sporting life, in his personal life and in his business life. And um, knowing that I sort of helped provide the yeah. vehicle, it I didn't do it. It's powerful for you to oh, feel like is. that, to be able to help someone. Yeah, I didn't do it, he did it. Yep. He gives me you all the credit, the but I, I gave him the pathway and probably mm. a bit of a kick in the butt along the <laughs> way to do it. But um, one, one of my core values, we do a lot of work with values, with organisations, and one of my core values is making a difference. And one of our business values is making a difference. So you mentioned before that, you know, you get to a point in business after 21 years, you can choose yeah, you can be a bit more selective. the work you want to do. We used to do a lot of work and do everything everyone asks us to do. Now we're very particular because we want to make a difference and we won't do tick the box training and we won't do something because it's what someone else wanted but we don't think it's going to make a difference because that's not good for our reputation anyway yeah but but it doesn't sit with our values and what's what's next what's the long-term plan long-term plan um i'm 58 gary 63 we're not in a hurry to retire long-term plan is um continue doing what we're doing but continue to shift and grow and learn Um, so when you say shift with the market shift with the market yeah we we see what's happening with the market there's you know we had quite a few clients within the mining sector that service the mining sector in some way shape or form or were consulting and then there was the mining downturn so Um, discretionary spend yeah so so it's just paying attention but also backing ourselves to try something new and put ourselves out there for different things so what what would that be what would be new I love the whole positive psychology space. Yeah, so, okay. so doing more in that. In that we've started um, this year running public courses because we've traditionally only done training in-house. Yeah, great. But we wanted to build our local profile. Yep. We love where we live. We, we love the area, but we would be away from home 140 plus nights a year. Yep. And that gets old yeah, yeah, as we're absolutely. getting old. <laughs> and so, and, and this is such an amazing area. We, we have everything here that we yep. need. And so building our reputation, being here long enough that we can attend networking events, because mm. we, we couldn't do that for years because we were it's never here. It's catch-22, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. Yep. 
So, and that's working well. And, and we, we had a lot of clients say to us, I've got one person I want to send to a leadership program. And they didn't have the, the either the budget or the need to run something in-house. So, w- w- meeting our demand of wanting more local work and building a local profile, but also meeting our clients' demand mm. um, for, for our training locally. We're running public courses now. So I'm uh, one of the areas I'm sort of branching out into, I've taught public speaking for a number of years, but now what I'm doing is sort of teaching almost like a train-the-trainer, yeah, okay. but not the um, workplace yep. training uh, that type of training, it's teaching people how to do what I do the way I do it. Yep. And a lot of that goes back to my other passion of reading people and body language and knowing when you've got the group engaged and not engaged. So I've put together a program that I'm running yeah, on okay. that. Sounds good. Tell me about Side Project. So is it, what's it, 100 letters for Alice? One, 100 Alice stories. 100 Alice stories. Yeah. Tell me about that and why we do that. That's that's uh, something that's very near and dear to my heart. That's yep. a um, a project in the domestic violence space, and uh, we started that three years ago. And have you got to a hundred? No, we're we're in the mid sixties, and yeah, okay. we've still got a lot more st- more stories to go. And and the goal of that is to collect one hundred stories from women who have escaped and survived domestic violence, in order to one help heal them. Yep. help with their healing, but two, to empower and inspire women who are currently living in that space. Yeah, okay. And so that's your side area apart from yeah. training? Apart from training, it's it's another passion. I've always been passionate about working with, with women. With women, yeah. And empowering women. Yep. And uh, it took a long time before I would put my hand up and say, this is why I'm passionate about that, yep. from my own upbringing, um, growing up with that. So... Um, and, and that's been incredibly rewarding. also fits with the making a difference. We call all the women Alice and we give them a number that protects them, their yep. identity. And I remember I spoke at a Reclaim the Night event um, in Lake Macquarie a couple of years ago and a woman came up and introduced herself to me. She said, hi, I'm Alice, oh, Alice number, number so and yep. And that was just, that was unbelievable. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that's pretty powerful. And she... Um, she told her story um, and and felt empowered by that. There was a, there's a lady I know, uh, and it was amazing the people that came out of the woodwork, people I'd known for years, yep. clients, who didn't know I'd had a story, yep. I didn't know they had a story, and they all sort of contacted me and said, can I contribute? So when you get the 100 stories, what happens then? Look, the long-term goal would be I pictured a book. Yep. We've got them on our website, site, 100 yep. Alice Stories. But... Uh, I, I pictured a book in doctors' waiting rooms, yeah, okay. hairdressing salons, and the book would be beautiful. The stories yep. aren't beautiful, although how the women have survived and the, the other end of it is is phenomenal, inspiring. Yeah, motivating. But but we want to have beautiful images in the book. We want to have positive. I'm a bit of a quotaholic. Positive, inspirational quotes, and we also want to have advice peppered in through there of what to do and how to identify if you're in one of those relationships. Good stuff. All right, well, good luck. Hope you get to 100. Thank you. So we have a time machine on our podcast. So if we rewound the clock to 20-year-old Kelly, given what you know now, what, would, what advice would you give her? Well, apart from don't drink rum and coke as much. No, um, drink the rum and coke. No, no. <laughs> um, a couple of things. One of them would be back yourself. Yep. I think we spend a lot of time 
and it fits in with the other one is is, is not believing we're enough hmm. we're not good enough so it would be you are enough and back yourself and trust your instincts would yep. be would be the key things that doesn't mean you don't stop learning but we do so much by not believing the, of the go down the wrong path maybe well, it's a path we end up having to go down. But but it, 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 I think I'd love to back myself a little bit more because so I had the idea. Yeah, so when you say that, so you mentioned right at the start you wanted to be a teacher. Does that mean you would have been in training a lot earlier? Yes. Yep. It would have been a path I'd have gone down. Yeah. Yeah. Not that this, the advertising sales path was negative. No. But it just wasn't exactly what you, your passion area was and then you found it or you, you always knew it was there and then you, you found him. And yeah. it found you. <laughs> yeah. I'd have put myself forward for more things that I didn't believe I could do. Yep. But then looking back, if I'd just gone into traditional teaching, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now and I passionately love yeah. what I'm doing now. Do you think and a lot of that comes from my own experience. Maybe. Maybe, yeah. Maybe. Don't Interesting know. Interesting to think but about, yeah. isn't it? I, I, I love the diversity of what I'm doing now yep. and how I, I can create what I believe is going to work based on what I'm seeing with the people. So I, I don't follow a, a set plan or a program. Okay, excellent. Well, thank you so much today for, you for coming on our me. podcast. Again, good luck with the 100 uh, stories and good luck with your training programs. Thank you very Thanks, much. Thanks, Kelly. A big thank you today to our guest, Kelly Mills. If you want to learn more about Kelly, please look her up on LinkedIn. Uh, she has a great profile and you'll be able to find out more about her business and the training suite that she delivers. If you like that conversation, please subscribe to our conversations at Apple Podcasts or on SoundCloud. You just simply search Career Conversations Podcast or Hunter Recruitment Group. Until next time, I'm Craig McGregor. <laughs>